Okay, so on Thursday you can do 12 o'clock, but you can't do one. I can do 12, or I can do two or five. Everything has changed. I can't do it on Wednesday. Daycare is calling me, so if you can't- You're busier than ever. Now, I need to take the call from the daycares. They need the kids to get picked up. That's probably why they're calling. Can I have my alternative person? Trying to do it all for everyone. Okay, let me call you back in five minutes, so you're gonna get- And something needs to shift. to take a moment, to breathe, to listen to your body, to reconnect and ground in your truth. Take time for yourself. Spend time alone. everyone and welcome to the daily tech show i'm your host john meyer and if you thought the opening was inspirational then you're gonna want to stick around for our next guest she's the founder of behind grounding source a burnout coach a wilderness expert and she has a sheer will to make things work no matter what before i bring her on the show how about you hit that like subscribe and the notification all right everyone please join me in welcoming the founder behind grounding source a burnout coach and a wilderness expert, Marissa O'Grady-Kessner to the show. Marissa, thanks for joining us. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm so psyched to be here. Uh, you know what? So, Marissa, I have to share this information. You and I have a mutual friend, Dr. Liz Dennett, who I just recently had on the show. So I am super excited about our topic of burnout today. I am also super excited. Liz is just such a dear friend, and it's so amazing to have gotten to work with her and also get to learn about so many different other parts of the field of technology and things like that. Uh, you know what? So she was really cool to have on the show and recommended you. And we had some conversations beforehand. So I know you're going to give some really great information around burnout. But before we get to that, how about you give the audience a little bit of backstory on yourself? All right. So uh, my name is Marissa. Obviously, we've established that. And I am a wilderness professional first. That is like the very first thing that I became passionate about. And I've spent a decade of my life working in the wilderness, helping to create intentional experiences for other people. And within that time period, there came a time when, one, I didn't know anything about business, which I think led me to then have very little fear going into creating my own business because I was just completely ignorant of everything that was going on. Um, but within that, I recognized and saw how powerful the wilderness was for myself. And I saw how powerful it was for other people and how these experiences were truly changing other people's lives. And then I came to a point where I wanted to quit my other job and I wanted to start something new. And I was like, you know what? There are people in the world that don't really have access to powerful, intentional experiences in the wilderness that are helping to heal them and helping them to get to their stress and their burnout and whatever else is coming up for them. And so I created Grounding Source out of that, um, out of my love for the wilderness, out of my knowing of how good it feels to be outside and how good it feels to be connected. Um, and so far, it's worked out. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned something really funny is that uh, your ignorance for business. And I wrote down, do it your own way. All right. So that's what I got to like. You took what everybody else does and they're like, I don't know how that works. I'm going to do it my way and it's going to work for me. And it's been very successful for you. 
Yes, it has. It's been really successful. And I'm really grateful that um, the people that have chosen to do what I do, they come out and they have my experiences and they do what I created. They're really taking a chance because there's nobody else out there doing this. Um, this doesn't, what I do is I create intentional experiences in the wilderness and people aren't doing that um, for the clientele that I am. There's, it's kind of a new thing. Um, so it feels really cool to have people taking that chance and then seeing them have their lives change and see them being so alive and like full of life afterwards. It's, I call it like the post wilderness glow. Oh, I'm actually, it's a post wilderness glow. I'm going to write that down. That's actually a, a very good term. <laughs> we're we're going to have to use that uh, at least in some of the opener. Now, real quick, you know, we're talking about burnout and I'm sure most of our audience has either experienced it in some way or they're experiencing it right now. Can you help us understand really what does it mean and how you're trying to help? I think that everybody, one, the best way to describe burnout is to talk about the causes of it versus talking about what it is because we all kind of know what it is. It's just stress that's compiled and chronic. And until that stress like stress inherently is not a bad thing to have, but when it becomes chronic, that's when it becomes an issue. And before then, it's kind of Ill irrelevant. Um, it's just like, this is life. Life is kind of stressful. But when it becomes burnout, that's the time that things get it, become an issue. So there's three main causes of burnout. One of them is emotional exhaustion. That is described by doing too much for too long and really getting stuck in an emotion. Um, not being able to express, not being able to fully work through what we call a stress cycle. Another way that, another cause of um, burnout is depersonalization. Um, I think we see this a lot more often in men than we do women. Emotional exhaustion tends to happen a lot more in women than men. Um, depersonalization is the depletion of empathy, caring, and compassion. That's kind of like stepping away and not really engaging. And then the last one is a decreased sense of accomplishment which is that feeling as though nothing you do matters. And it doesn't matter, like you might have really loved the job that you're in um, when you first started. Like you finally got your dream job and you've worked it for years. And after years, you feel as though nothing you do is gonna matter. People are gonna keep interacting the same way. And that is what burns us out. And those are the main causes of burnout. So you mentioned, you know, obviously we all experience, we all understand what burnout is. Is burnout something that's easily identifiable? Like, can you say, hey, that person has burnout or can you identify or do you just kind of ignore those uh, three causes that you mentioned? Um, I think it depends on a lot of different things. It depends how in touch you are with yourself. Um, it depends how in touch you are with others. I think I can see burnout in other people sometimes before they can simply because of my intimacy um, with the term and with what it means and how I see people. A lot of people, um, especially women, they persist and they persist and they persist and they persist and they just keep going. Um, and I can see that and I see that they're burning themselves out. Yet it's just like an alcoholic. You can't tell an alcoholic to stop drinking. When somebody is experiencing burnout, they have to know it for themselves before they need to change it, you know? Does that make sense? Like you really yep. have to know that you're burnt out in order for you to want to change it. Otherwise it's not a pressing enough issue. It's not interfering with your life or you don't recognize it as interfering with your life. 
That's very true. The only way it's going to change is if you want it to change. So if you have identified the problem, regardless of what the problem is, but talking about burnout, you mentioned that it mostly affects or you identify mostly with women. Is it only, you know, you work only with women or is it a wide variety? I'd really love to touch on that because I think something that really comes up is how any one of us can help a person who's going through a burnout. And I, I really want to be able to help them or identify some of those causes. Absolutely. So I specifically work a lot more with women. I tend to connect better with them. And um, women tend to open up and they tend to be more vulnerable and talk about the real things when they're surrounded by other women. When there's a man in the presence um, or a bunch of men, we tend to have a guard up, which is, I don't think it's known that we do, but I do see when it's all female groups, they tend to dive deeper um, in a different way than when there's men there. So I tend to work simply with women. And I do believe that burnout, burnout does interact with women's lives differently than it does men, simply on our, um, on our social conditioning. I studied sociology in college and I was super obsessed with this when I like first learned about it. And it's just the idea that women's lives, we all are probably pretty familiar with like, all of the basic like feminist um, things that are in our lives, like the way that women have to try harder to get higher up in a position at work, um, or we're expected to be in specific gender roles. And even the most independent, strong woman, I think still feels the pressure to keep the laundry going, keep the dishes going, keep the kids eating healthy food. Remember that there's dinner to be made as well as being a badass at work as well as like trying to become that strong CEO and being seen as somebody who's not overly emotional because when we're overly emotional, then we're not gonna, we're gonna be discredited really quickly. Um, whereas men typically, even if they are overly emotional and they lash out, they're typically not discredited for it. Um, men oftentimes are allowed to get angry. Women can't really get angry, which is what leads into emotional exhaustion. Women almost always are having to really think about what they're doing, what they're saying um, in order to be taken seriously, in order to also be seen the way that they want to. And we juggle a lot of things as women. So I specifically work with women because of that. I think it's more important um, for me to address that. That's where my superpower is. There's tons of people out there working with men. But I also think that learning about this is so essential for men because then men get to see like, man, I am expecting my wife to switch the laundry over or like I'm asking her where this one thing is every single day. Like, why don't I just remember where I put my wallet down? Like, why do I always have to ask my wife like, hey, babe, do you remember where I put my wallet down or whatever it is? Um, it's all those little things of constantly having to juggle. And then what that comes down to is women are more attentive to the needs of others and they are less attentive to the needs of their self. So what I do is I bring women back to themselves. I help them really slow down and listen to the voice that is in them that knows what to do and really simply like take that deep breath. I think that's the biggest thing. It's that relief. It's that that happens. Okay. So you just described a lot of parts about my wife who is completely <laughs> awesome. I mean, she is always so focused on the family, everything else. And I'm always trying to tell her, do something for yourself. Uh, and, you know, and I'm guilty on asking her about what time is this happening again, three or four times, because 
I, I wonder why I can't remember or I can't retain it. And maybe I'm just dependent upon her that she's, she's just going to answer that question. And I think lately, though, she is like, I just told you that. I'm like, if it's not on the calendar, I can't remember for some reason. But uh, I, I, you definitely described that and uh, kind of put some things in perspective. So I'll, I'll take note as it going forward and hopefully try to change or improve that myself. Let me ask you a question off of it. Okay. Um, I guess as a man, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, how do I know what those needs are? Am I not in tune with, the, you know, my partner that I know that she wants to do all this stuff? Or do I just like, you know, like, okay, uh, I know the traditional stuff that needs to get done and try to get some, some of that done and accomplish it. Should I be more well aware? Yeah, I think the reality is it's a little bit of both. Like, I don't, at this point in my life, like, I don't expect my husband to know everything that needs to get done. But when I ask him to do things, I love it when he does them right away. Um, the other thing is, as men, you get to ask your partner, what are all the things that you feel like you need to do today? Like, just ask how you can help and even be like, hey, what are the things that you're doing that you don't think I can help with? And then do those things, too. And it also is part of usually on the women, too. Like women, we struggle to let go of control. We struggle to believe that our partners are going to do it the right way. We get really focused on things being done a certain way um, when it doesn't need to be that way. So it's partially on us to let go of that control, let things get done at a different pace or in a different way. And it's also on the men to then ask, how can I help? How can I be of service? How can I do something differently today? So uh, a two-way street, ask and tell and talk, mm -hmm. basically communication. All right. Uh, yep. I think that's, I think we can improve that. Right. Uh, now jump in onto it a little bit more burnout and kind of dive in a little deep into this is what are some of the difference between a stress and stressors for burnout? I mean, like, are they identifiable? Absolutely. So the biggest difference is stress is the neurological physiological response that is happening in your body. The stressor is the thing that brings it up. So maybe the stressor is the kids, homework that needs to be done in the dishes and you have this big project at work. The stress itself is what is in your body. And that stress response is the same if you are being chased by a lion or if you have a big project at work. It doesn't really matter. Our bodies interact the same exact way. And so when we're in a stress response, things happen in our body. Like epinephrine is being pushed into our blood to make our muscles move a lot faster. Endorphins are being pushed so that we don't feel discomfort. Our heart is beating faster so that it can pump more blood. And that's why our blood pressure increases. There's all these little things that are happening. And while we're in a stress response, we also are deprioritizing organ systems that are no longer, um, that are not helpful or useful in that moment. Um, so like our digestive system doesn't work as well. There's all these other things that like just don't work as well in our body because they're not actually relevant for when we're feeling stressed. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that actually kind of puts some things in perspective of, you know, during a high stress time when, you know, and I always, I always think of uh, back then and really weightlifting and training is that when you have high stress, your body's not really digesting as well, you're eating more. And you know, some things are happening. That's not the only one that, that comes to mind. But as that stress increases, your body's just not being efficient. 
So Marissa, you know, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because we talked about stress. We talked about burnout uh, previously when you and I were discussing, you mentioned a term called directive attention. And I thought it was very interesting because I thought of the things that I do throughout the day and how that affects me. We want to give the audience, what is it? How does it affect us and our body? Absolutely. So directed attention is probably the most relevant thing to every single person listening to this and everybody in the world. And what's important to recognize up front is we only have so much directed attention that we get throughout the day. It's kind of like a gas can. It slowly is getting emptied throughout the day. And to use our directed attention, it's everything that we're doing to basically keep focus. Um, it's when we're driving, it's the billboard that's flashing, and then we have to think about driving. And then it's when we're going to cross the street, we're having to look at all the different cars that are coming and all the different people that are going all these different ways. It's focusing our attention on the email and then our phone dings. And then we have to get back to the email and then somebody walks in and asks you a question and then you have to refocus again. So it's all these different things that are asking of our attention and bringing us from left to right, up and down. And that is slowly getting exhausted throughout the day. So within directed attention, we obviously need to replenish it. And one of the best ways, easiest, quickest ways that we do this every single day is we sleep. Sleeping helps revitalize our directed attention. But we can't just sleep for 12 hours in the middle of the day. It doesn't really work that way. So there's, all these other, there's a couple of other ways that can help to replenish our directed attention. And one of the number one easiest ways to do this is to spend one hour in nature. One hour in nature has this incredible ability that is so unique and different than anything else. Because if we think about it in two different ways, like things that are exhausting our brain, scrolling through Instagram, watching TV, the kids, whatever, those are aggressively asking for our attention. But then on the other side, nature really gently and modestly asks for our attention. And when we're in nature, it is just naturally calming to us. So we can probably all think of a time that we were looking at a sunset and we just simply felt more calm and we felt like we had to look at it. It grabs your attention, but it doesn't do it in an aggressive way. And it's just gently helping us to recover. Um, so spending an hour in nature helps to revitalize our brains. Even if you move, if you're moving and getting outside, that's an incredible way to get up your, or get your directed attention back. And even within that, um, then if you pause in the middle of your workday at like two o'clock, we all know that feeling where we're like exhausted. Nothing's making sense anymore. Like it's taking an hour to write an email that should have taken 10 minutes, whatever. Go outside, go for a walk for an hour. I guarantee you will come back and be more efficient and more effective and more creative. Nature also sparks creativity. Um, then you would have been if you had just like gotten another cup of coffee. Uh, yeah. Speaking of coffee, I think, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, okay. Directed attention. It sort of sounds a little bit like multitasking. Is it the same different? I mean, what's the difference between directed attention, all these things, oh, the emails going off. I got to go do this. Uh, is it working together? Directed attention is what we use to multitask. Multitasking is an actual verb. Directed attention is describing it. Um, uh, and it. directed attention is what we use. Like that's like what our brains are actually using to multitask. It's making us figure out everything and keep us alive. Like if we think about a baseline, like how do I stay alive while walking down the street in a city? I have to pay attention to a lot of different things. 
um, in order to do that. And that is in a way multitasking, but we don't see it that way at this day and age. But if you were to like ask somebody like 200 years ago to walk down a street here, they would be terrified or like maybe like 300 years ago, some like long period of time, like the amount of things that we have going on nowadays is just so drastically different. Gotcha. Definitely makes sense. All right. So the last part of this episode, I want to talk about your solitude event because you walked me through it. And I was like, wait, 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 stop right there. I have so many questions. I want to save it for the show. Really? How are you helping people and this solitude event that you put on? Because it actually sounds really interesting. And I was explaining it to my wife and I was like, hmm, it sounds relaxing a little bit. So, all right, walk us through it. Oh, I mean, it's absolutely relaxing. Um, Solitude is the three-day event that I created. Um, It's all based around what I call a wilderness solo experience. And wilderness solo experience makes you feel like almost you're alone, but it's a small group of people, two to five women, typically. Every once in a while, I work with men, but typically it's mainly men or women. Um, And we all come together. And the very first day is based on vulnerability, meditation, yoga, really getting into whatever has been coming up for you. When you're burnt out, when you're stressed, um, we really simply just need a lot more time and we don't have it. We haven't given that to ourselves. So that first day we dive into opening ceremony to really honor the space. We have a full digital detox, which you're leaving your phone behind. You're not bringing it. And these three days are all based in nature, in the wilderness here in Southwest Utah. Um, We also teach you everything you need to know to be out in the wilderness how to set up your tent. And we also take care of all the hard things like food and water and the right gear. We provide it all to make it as easy as possible to get you out of that stressful life and into something that is taking care of you. After that first day, um, we spend the night in the wilderness all together. I've taken people who have never spent a night camping in their lives and they come out and they're camping for the first time. They're setting up their own tent. And it is so fun and so exciting to see them because it's innately empowering to take care of yourself in the wilderness. There's that primitive part of ourselves that just feels so good doing that. Um, And then on that second day is when we really set you up to go and spend time alone. That's kind of my tagline, spend time alone. Um, We wake up, we have yoga, we take things slow, we pack up and we open a space to really set intention. And then each person has their own space away from the group. They can't see each other. They can't see us. Everything is safe and taken care of, obviously. Um, I'm a wilderness professional first. I've spent a lot of time doing that. (laughs) And then each person has 24 to 30 hours that they are alone. Um, We have resources if people want to work through those. Some people choose to do them. Some people choose not to do any of them. And at that point, it's truly just the wilderness that takes charge. Um, Each person truly connects with themselves, it seems. Every person connects with the earth. And it sounds a little hippie witch-like. And it is a little hippie witch-like, but it's not too far gone either. Like, it feels really good to be in nature. And that seems to work. And every single person on that last day We all come back together. We all celebrate. We talk about what happened, what came up. And it's incredible to see what people have worked through. Like I've had women come out and they're like, I think I have to quit my job. I'm so burnt out. I'm so stressed. My job is definitely the problem. And almost every time it's not the job's fault. (laughs) 
<laughs> the job is not the main reason. It's our mindset around it. It's our boundaries around it. It's our boundaries with ourselves. And I had a woman, she thought she was going to quit her job and she went out on her solo and she came back and she's like, I worked really hard to get to that position. I don't want to just quit and start over. I like this job in theory. I am just stressing myself out doing this. And she decided to simply start looking at it differently. And the wilderness solo is simple, but it's not easy. And it allows some deep inner thought that we simply don't have the time for in our daily lives. And we get distracted by, or we want influence of others. We want somebody, we want to read a book and have that give us the answer. But there's something really special about spending time alone in the wilderness with intention. I, I like the beginning part where you mentioned you provide everything, all the gear, all the food, every, you know, how to set up the tent. Because I can imagine somebody who has never done this before. And I camp a lot. The family and I, actually, that's my relaxing time to, to basically get rid of my phone. I don't touch it the entire time and disconnect. But imagine somebody who's not or even myself. And I'm like, OK, I got to do my tent. I got to do this. I got to get all this up. And I can imagine all the stress I'm putting on myself. And the person is going out there who hasn't done it. Imagine all that stress. Now you've just taken that away and you're like, listen, you mm -hmm. don't worry about anything. All you're here is to focus on you. It, it, and I, I like that. I love that this, because here you said it's in South Utah, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So they're flying out with their luggage and that's it. That's all they need. Yep. All they need is their clothes and a water bottle. That's all I ask them to bring. Um, I make it as easy as possible because inherently I work with, I'm working with people who are burnt out and stressed. They're not really very good at giving themselves time. Uh, they're not very good at like telling others that they need to take time off. And so just getting them on the phone the first time is sometimes the hardest thing. That's the biggest crux because they're like, I don't have time. I can't take time for myself. How dare I do that? But when you're in that mindset, that's when you need it the most. So if I can make it the easiest, thing in the world to get out here that's what i do and the food is delicious we eat really well we drink really yummy coffee and tea like it's super comfy because i've spent over a decade in the wilderness i'm kind of i don't need to suffer anymore i know how to make it comfortable i know how to make things feel good outside now you mentioned it to me it seems like where you go out in a camp there is a center there's like a home base and i'll use like my hand as an example like a home base and everybody spreads out to these different little fingers into their own area which allows them some of that personalizing quiet time is that what it kind of looks like visually yeah visually that's what it looks like however we are the ones placing them in the location we lead each person to their very specific spot um, and that's what we know where you are. We have to know where you are for safety reasons, obviously. Um, but yes, it's definitely just like home base in the middle. And then everybody's like 300 to 400 yards apart from each other um, in the desert. And it works out really well. Now, you also mentioned to me that uh, depends on how often, but you could have like periodic checks. You know, you could go mm -hmm. in there and be like, listen, uh, I want you to do a check on me like two, three times in this day. Or listen, just check on me once. Other than that, I want to be isolated. Yeah. How does that work out for people? Absolutely. So that's based on everybody's level of comfort. Some people are super comfortable in the wilderness and they're not worried about anything. They're like, you know what? Just check on me once. So baseline, I'm going to check on everybody once the first day. We're going to bring you a warm dinner that first night. And then we're going to check on you once the next day. However, I have had people that they're nervous. It's their first time camping in the wilderness, which fair, 
I would be nervous too. I just happened to be doing it since I was 12. So with that, I will go and check on you every couple hours or if you're like, can you check on me once before dinner? Um, and we won't speak. Ideally, we're not speaking unless we have to, but it's just like a, hey, you're good. And have, never have I ever had somebody say, say like, no, I'm not good. Everybody's always like smiles and like super psyched. Like everybody's thumbs up, really excited about their time. And they're like, okay, I am good. I have this down. Um, and everybody always wants more time. The 24 to 30 hours is scary initially for a lot of people. They're like, oh, it's a lot of time by myself. And then the next day, once they come out, they're like, I could have been out there a whole nother day that I wish I had more time. Um, so it's kind of beautiful to see how healing and comfortable um, people can get in the wilderness. That's probably the first step is taking that initial call. And then the next step is booking that flight and actually taking that time off request through work. Be like, I'm taking five days to myself and be like, oh my God, five days. And then, then the stress is piling on for them. And like, oh, I got emails. I got this, I got this. And it's like, now I have to disconnect for those full five days. But I, I know you have some success stories. Has anybody been a frequent flyer, repeated, come back just for, they know they're getting so much out of it? So the way that I've been doing it is I haven't had anybody have a repeat experience. A lot of people say they want to do it. I'm in the first two years of my business. But after um, they do a solo or come to an event, they have the opportunity to be a part of the community. And within that community, we have monthly calls where we're just chatting and talking about the things that have been coming up. Because it's one thing to have uh, impactful, life-changing experience. It's another one to go back home and try to put those things into practice. And we're super real on those calls. We're talking about the things that are difficult and like how you feel really far away from that person that you were on your solo. Um, and a lot of people have been requesting to come back and to do like an alumni solo. So it, probably in the next year, I'm going to be putting together um, likely another, have it a little bit longer, have it a little bit different for those people to be able to come back. Um, and it's, just so cool. Now you mentioned next year, you're going to put together for a little bit longer to come back. When is the next program or event? Is it then, or do you have an upcoming one? So the most, the one that is coming up most recently is going to be October 28th through the 30th. So I always run them Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And what that does in my hope is that um, it makes it the easiest as possible to get time off for work. Because then you're only taking off one week and you're not, it's not through Sunday and then you have to rush home and get ready for work. You have all day Sunday to travel and get home and then you get to start a new week fresh and feel good about it, hopefully. Um, and then people can fly in after work on Wednesday, get into the St. George area um, Wednesday night. A lot of people either fly into Vegas or St. George, but we're really close to Las Vegas too for geography for everybody out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a three-day event, and we try to make it as easy as possible for those who are working and trying to get time off from work. Oh, I like that. I think you've thought of all of the logistics to make it a less stressful experience and really come out and have that solitude and really just disconnect completely. So it's really, and especially when you mentioned uh, Sundays, Sundays are always the, in my household, time to prep for Monday you know, the kids in school mm -hmm. and everything. So allowing you to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of has that relaxation period. 
Yeah, yeah, it it really does. I am so excited for the next one. The October one, this is like the two-year anniversary for Grounding Source. Um, the very first one that I ran was over Halloween a couple of years back, and now um, we're going to be running another one. So it's going to be very, very cool. I think you need a Grounding Source conference or gathering in, in Southern Utah there just for like Ooh. all the people who have had it. Hey, listen, we're having a solitude event. It's going to be a three-day event. And anybody who wants to attend or has a tent, here you go. You do you give it a little, you know, your traditional opening, how you do everything. And then you kind of let everybody spread out and you bring, you come together at the end. It could be like, uh, you know, your first conference in a series of many. Dude, that's such a fun idea. I've literally never thought of that. That sounds like a really fun idea. Future. Uh, Future there you go. Just, just put it on your radar, mark it down for 2022. <laughs> Actually, I was going to do yeah. like 2020 for some reason. Yeah, but anyway, mark it down for like, you know, October and then and plan it for everybody to come out there. That would be pretty cool. All right. So before we wrap it up and talk about anything else, you know, my next question for you is how does people get in touch? How do they kind of go forward with this? What information can you leave with them if they are interested in pursuing this uh, solitude event that you call it? Absolutely. So the two easiest and best ways to connect with me, maybe three. Um, is Instagram. I'm on Instagram as grounding source. And that is where I put a lot of content. Um, that's where we can be friends. That's where we can go back and forth. So definitely reach out to me on Instagram if you're on there. And you can just send me a message there. Also, two other ways is I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, um, as Marissa O'Grady Kessner will put it in the links or whatever. because I have a crazy last name. In the description um, below. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> yeah, he'll get it covered. Um, but send me a message on there or go to groundingsource.com. That's probably the most streamlined. Groundingsource.com. Um, you can contact me there. There's a little contact button in the corner. Um, you can set up a call immediately. You can send me an email, um, all of the things. But I would love to connect with all of you, even if it's just like, hey, I was really interested in like what you were saying, but I don't quite understand it. Can you help me understand more? ask me those questions. That's what I'm here for. It's not all about having to come out and do the event. I want this knowledge to be out there for women, for men, for everybody, so that we can all start feeling less stressed and less burnt out. Nice, nice. All right, everybody. I want to thank you for joining the Daily Tech Show. I'm your host, John Meyer. And right now we were talking with burnout coach, wilderness expert, and founder of Grounding Source, Marissa O'Grady-Kessner. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, John. I was super excited to be here. This is so fun. So thank you so yeah. much. Uh, thank you for joining me. Now, folks, don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and the notification button because we have more awesome content on the way. Marissa, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you.